So, Ryan, I got a bit of a riddle for you. Around this time of year, what inspires companies to adopt a specific logo change? Money? You hit the nail on the head. (laughs) I was going to, like, I was going to, like, pussyfoot around and and do the whole thing that Mr. Krabs does in in the SpongeBob movie when he, <laughs> what inspires you to build the second Krusty Krab right next door to the original but you got it. <laughs> you got it Mars on Life wishes you a very happy Pride Month with the unfortunate yes. reality that these corporations mm, they aren't so much people as Romney thought that they were <laughs> anyway uh yeah episode 67 glad we got the memes out of the way for last episode because yeah you know i saw the i saw the promotional uh story on instagram that you did and i'm just like mancini really why does this look like a meme from 2009 <laughs> like <laughs> i could i can design things using graphics you you could have told me i'm kidding no it, it i just great. use meme generator because i'm like yeah, no this i use is... meme generator all the time so oh, yeah. i'm not even but and i don't uh, use it as much as i used to so this was like really <laughs> going back one. to a good feeling right right so yeah no it is a it is a cool wednesday day in june and Boy, oh boy, do we have some news. Um, mm-hmm. I figured we'd let you start off because mine is more... Uh, I, I'm noticing a theme in the show going forward where half of it's news, half of it is just segments where <laughs> we could put on our tinfoil hats and just analyze the dumbassery. I'm starting to think that as we go into season three, we'll have segmented slots for every like 15 minutes. Maybe we'll have some sort of organ structure. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see what we can do here. But um, yeah, no, I let's 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 deep dive, shall we? Well, and, and to quickly add to that too, I mean the the beauty of what we have to look forward to with season three, uh, which hopefully we'll get to test in a month or so, is just getting being able to go out to places in and around our collective necks of the woods, neck of the woods, what have you, and, you know, just give our take on things that are are worth checking out or, you know, things that we've talked about previously on the show, but finally we get to, we get to leave our uh, disembodied existence that we've had for the past year and we can finally you know, go to go to places and check things out. So that's something that I've been anxious for since before episode one. Uh, I knew it was probably going to have to be put on hold once we got to episode three or four. And uh, by episode 50, it was kind of like, I don't know when it's going to be, but at some point we'll be we'll be walking in a gallery somewhere uh, being assholes about it. But more on that later. Um, yeah, I had a couple stories, um, one of which I've heard in several, several different news outlets and several other podcasts. I was actually hoping nobody was going to talk about it, but sure as shit, people were talking about, um, this new, I guess you could call it a new dilemma 
which for this specific app, uh, I didn't ever really think there would be any kind of problems with it. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure you've heard of the Citizen app. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually got a response to join it because I thought it was going to be like another uh, one of those ring doorbell kind of deals where, oh, someone hears gunshots in the sky or they think it's gunshots, but it's really fireworks in the valley. Um, That's all I really know about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like next door, which next door. There we go. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Next door, I have a lot of familiarity with just because of the the weird and wild place that I live in, um, which, no surprise, uh, hopefully to anybody, certainly not a surprise to me, has like my entire my entire little area within my corner of the Santa Clarita Valley just completely on edge the whole time because people freak out over the smallest things from June bugs to oh, I think I saw a mountain lion, when in reality it was just a neighbor uh, shuffling his trash can outside. Like, just mm-hmm. mundane, stupid stuff. People Citizen going senile, little... yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know I know of one such neighbor. Anyway, who I've mentioned on the show. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Citizen, it's a little bit more... Um, I don't know what's the best way to describe it. Citizen's a little bit more, I guess you could say aggressive. It's a little bit more, I don't want to say secure, because going forward, that will be their intent, is to more or less act more like a, it's it's almost like some kind of network of catching crimes while they're happening, but making sure people are aware of them happening. So these like it's are trying like to be local news, but it's also trying to be almost like a borderline vigilante network. Which right, ironically, right. the app was originally supposed to be called Vigilante, which that set off uh, that set off alarms. I mean, um, I was gonna say like if people want to go out and play rent a sheriff, I mean they can. I can understand if you're in a more rural area where. I guess you can make the argument that this kind of service would be needed, but I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to be like, there's areas of California where you can be gun toting and, you know, keep off my lawn kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm sure of it, but I, I fail to see the practical use in a major metropolitan area. And even though I have zero, um, <laughs> I have zero interest in defending the police argument of, oh, well, they'll just protect you when the response time is five to eight minutes. Um, TLDR, enact some personal responsibility. I can't see anyone taking their 38 special out in a major metropolitan area and being like, oh, well, who's going to find me? Uh, Everyone. (laughs) Yeah. You live in a pod. People are going to fucking look out their windows and be like, oh, that man's off his meds. So go on please well what's what's interesting with citizen is that you know and and this is an app that i've grown to see more and more people that i know use it they tend to not be anybody that i know who works in media um i think my sister even has it so and i look i can see where the benefits are it functions a little bit like um pulse point which if you haven't heard of pulse point number one 
I recommend everybody download Pulse Point simply because, uh, number one, it's not connected to any kind of nefarious uh, <laughs> Legion of Doom-esque, uh, or, or I guess not so much Legion of Doom, but more like uh, it doesn't feel like something out of a Batman story. But it, it basically just tells you about like emergencies in your area, whether it's a medical emergency, public service, um, you know, traffic collision, vehicle fire, vegetation fire. Like it's it's very cut and dry, and it tells you, it shows you a map of where these incidents are happening. Um, I know Cal Fire has a similar app called Car, and that's C A R R. Um, uh, or it's not so much Cal Fire. I think it's Cal Transit. Yeah, it's Cal Transit's app. Citizen, though, so th this is where it gets a little creepy with, with Citizen. I, I I had heard about it recently uh, on TV, and now Citizen is looking to have a some kind of security service basically driving around and stopping crimes while they're happening, more or less. And the makers of the app want the app itself to almost function as an extension of not only law enforcement, but also function as some special kind of, I guess you could call it security. Um, mm. Just kind of reading over an NBC News story about it. Apparently, people uh, people started to see what looked like a law enforcement SUV bearing Citizens logo driving around Los Angeles. It turned out to be a test of a private security force for people willing to pay the company a monthly fee and it was quickly denounced on social media as a dystopian idea that could interfere with the 911 system. Company then abandoned the test. These attempts by Citizen to branch out are causing alarm among both experts and people who have worked at Citizen because they say the company seems to be heading in a new, more aggressive direction that may end up doing more harm than good. Just to kind of go a little bit further about the origins of Citizen, uh, it was based in New York City, initially went by the name Vigilante. Uh, got this juncture in a roundabout journey marked over the past two years by a major shakeup in senior management, the departure of a co-founder, the elimination of the company's growth team, and what former employees called a desperate search to find a way to make money from the information it's been collecting in about 30 U.S. cities. And this whole idea of investing in Citizen to be like this kind of almost like uh, a basic safety tool on the road, like streetlights. In theory, it's a smart idea, and I, you know, you know, I always want to congratulate whenever anybody wants to create some kind of local emergency, local breaking news kind of alternative to your standard local community news, um, like what I'm doing. But at the same time, I think what's sort of scary about it is the notion that citizens trying to go beyond just being an app and the fact that there's been other stories about so, the trucks kind of driving around it's very so quite, weird so very what exactly so what exactly bothers you the fact that the everyday citizen can can tout around in their fucking jeep grand cherokee with their uh with their multitude of assault rifles and claim that they're the next cop or uh the fact that <laughs> the fact that the idea even exists in the first place because I feel like on its own, on an individual basis, if you take a look at the that the average American citizen defending his or her home with whatever he or she sees fit in regulation, then mm. 
okay, great. But if you want to make like the purge, everyone get in a van and carpool and fucking uh, <laughs> be vigilant around the town, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> well, I, it's, it's I think funny. that's the, the I'll definitely the, give you that. That's the part of it that I'm a little bit more leery of just simply because as you probably guessed from prior discussions we've had, I'm, you know, even though I live in an area that's all about uh, security and surveillance and, you know, everybody outside of my family, but like a lot of people out here are gun owners. Uh, my family were not, um, or at least my direct family were not gun owners in any way. If anything, it, it just shows that, you know, we, since 2001, we have lived in, uh, you know, a national security state. And to some degree, it's been kind of a travesty, uh, to put it bluntly. Uh, to some extent, it's protected us from further attacks like 9-11. But then I think you run the risk of having greater destabilization when the security dr- or at least it's not so much the security is driving people crazy. It's just you wind up getting a lot more people wanting to participate in the protection and security of their neighborhoods, their towns, their cities, their metropolitan areas. I think it's just the idea of having something that isn't strictly law enforcement, which is already problematic by itself, um, to have something else that's completely separate from that kind of going through the area, wherever, wherever it may be, it could be any area. I mean, that's just it. Like, I think I've actually seen a citizen van once or twice. Did it make me feel any safer or did it make me paranoid? It didn't really do either. Um, if anything, it was just kind of weird because it's like, number one, Santa Clarita is about to get really hot and you're in a black van Mm-hmm. Good luck. Uh, hope you got it working air conditioning, number one. And number two, it, I don't know. It just seems to me like it's almost as if it's just overkill. You know, right. like it, it just it just doesn't seem to really do any good. It's one thing when you're providing information and news to people. But when you start going to the lengths of not being law enforcement, but you want to act like law enforcement, that's when it starts to feel a little bit like. You know, I've, I've joked a little bit about Batman, but like then it starts getting into that territory about like, how would you feel about living in a world with Batman where you're like, eh, I don't know if I how I'd feel about it because well, I'd I'd probably street, I'd yeah. definitely probably feel fine knowing that the uh, the the woodwork would definitely get weeded out. I mean, you saw all those impersonators of Batman in the Dark Knight got fucking shafted. At the end of the day. I, <laughs> It just seems it just seems like a try hard effort from some from some try hard people. Yeah, I mean, it's and I, I, I had read I'm trying to find it in the story because I had read of some example. Of citizen actually recommending to citizen like citizen app use citizen, the app or whoever behind it, basically telling app users at some point or another to engage with whatever violent situation they, the app user claimed to be witnessing. And I think that that was something that really struck me as 
<laughs> so so basically what they've yeah. done is they've they've found a way to digitize they've been able to digitize pvps in basically in basically fight club arena style so hey there's someone committing a crime uh <laughs> let's have a call to action to just to just mob the fuck out of these people um <laughs> it, it could work <laughs> It could, I, but yeah. Know, think of all the times you ever heard the argument of, oh well, it takes a good guy with a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun, and it's like, uh, I don't know. We've had a lot of mass shootings lately, and and all the good guys with guns seem to be in Bermuda or Quintana Roo or something because uh, they're they're not doing their job as uh, sanctioned by the Constitution. So uh, it's a so basically it's a very runaround way of saying that it's it's just not your cup of tea it's it's not part of your lifestyle you're not 2a i understand you know it's 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 one of those things i guess it depends on where you live as well you know you can't get away with this shit in la at least in the heart of la in santa clarita when you when you have people who are marching to their deaths who really don't have anything to do sorry uh i feel like they jump at the chance to do anything that that strokes that uh that second amendment right or well, at the very least uh the second amendment hobby that they that they have you know because as much as it is a right the personalities that these people have lead me to believe that it's more of a hobby than anything and, and that's that's where i i i differ a little bit just because i've known a couple 2a people out here that they they've genuinely well that's just it. It's it's coming from people that have characters for children, and when I mean characters, I mean like these people, these people that are, that are my age that no longer live out here uh, because their families moved for some reason. I have encountered people out here where like the whole concept of you better be careful or my daddy will take out his shotgun has been brought to my attention several times, and it's one of those things where I'm thinking, um. I'm living in the 21st century. Why would you ever think it's enticing to tell somebody something to that effect? You know, especially somebody that, I don't know, you disagree with politically, or but you might have a crush on them. Like, like that that's something I've encountered where I've been like, okay, so I could date you or I could experience uh, death by shotgun shells because I disagree with you politically. Um, I'm leaving now. Bye bye. Like, like that, that's, that's been at least, you know, in my direct area, that's what's been, that's the exposure I've had. Plus I live in an area that as of this week has now had, well, I should more appropriately, we've had one mass shooting out here and, you know, there really wasn't anybody to stop it. And we just had another one up at a fire station up in Aguadulce, which is technically part of the San, uh, Santa Clarita Valley. And again, like nobody, like, guy shot himself. So in a way, it's kind of like, it, even if local law enforcement is unable to get super involved without putting themselves at risk, the idea of some kind of vigilante force using an app as their sort of primary source of, of uh, I don't know what you'd call it, their pri- sort of primary motivator of actually 
doing work or doing business, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. It it just doesn't encourage me or it doesn't it doesn't instill any confidence that, you know, we're going to feel a lot safer. And I'm, you know, personally, I'm one of those people that security cameras like I, I'm I'm very much against mass surveillance. I have had many an argument with both friends and family about, uh, you know, Edward Snowden and what he did. Are you are you for or against? I I would say I am for. I I wow. think that. I mean, because personally, the it boiled down to the fact that he uncovered information that, in, in a lot of ways, was already out in the public and understood the problem was it wasn't it didn't really come across on such a grand scale until the next presidential administration um where everybody had kind of lightened kind of loosened up and and kind of distanced themselves from the bush era global war on terror and you know we were kind of in this new phase of it where obama was basically like uh, we're out of iraq we're going to be out of Afghanistan tomorrow. Uh, and of course, you know, 10 years later, we're still there. <laughs> um, mm. So it, in a way, it was already it was out of everybody's minds. And then for Snowden to drop what he dropped, it was kind of like, wow, we're we're, we're spying on everybody. We're spying on Germany. We're spying on the president, the then president of Brazil, Dilma Rousseff. And there was just too much of it that I think helped lead to some of the de- the destabilizing that we've seen in our in this country for the last five plus years um and and but i think it's still a credit to the fact that snowden unveiled that and basically was like yeah we're spying on everybody and everyone who's concerned concerned about civil liberties everybody who's concerned about their own personal safety you know they've got somebody keeping an eye on them yeah see that would make me (laughs) that would make me more paranoid about what what my uh what what big brother is planning so i think i'd have to take the opposite stance i mean i i would i would say that uh the, the the more that the government spies on us i think the more we should be tactful And until citizens starts issuing bounties for responding to these fucking things, I doubt that people would even take it seriously. I don't know. Like, what's next? Is is that in the next update? Am I going to get paid? Well, I I do know in this story, which I'll share in the description of the episode, there there has been talk about rewarding people, like rewarding citizen app users if, you know, they they get involved in some way. And, of course, uh, according to uh, L.A., just as Los Angeles sheriffs. Okay. Uh, the reward was potentially quote danger, uh, excuse me, disastrous because it could have led to someone getting hurt. And this is talking about a specific incident that is way too many paragraphs long and I'm not going to get into it, but yeah, I mean, they're already, they're basically already on that March. So arguably the next step would be, you know, citizen riot gear or riot, riot, control i don't know um oh the boog is back <laughs> oh man turns out uh t- turns out 4chan was right again man they are <laughs> batting a thousand with this shit
which which one should we dive into? And I know you had some some news as well. Oh, did I? I I just I, I, I just thought, thought that we could uh jump into what just hit my desk, uh, which was uh, Reddit of all places announced in the r slash prequel means memes subreddit that the ninth circuit of the u.s court of appeals has declared the sequel trilogy mediocre and schlocky unless the decision is overturned by the u.s supreme court it is now law in the usa that the sequel films are bad now i admire the based approach that they took to this basically it basically paves the way for the argument that bad movies are bad and no further explanation or discussion is needed. I don't care how many filthy troglodytes come into this subreddit and claim that this has so many trailblazing ventures that Ray did. No, she was a Mary Sue through and through, okay? She had the charisma of Solo, the abilities of Luke, you know, everyone in between. I'm surprised Chewie didn't get shafted, but they had to keep someone from the original trilogy. She didn't... Wait, say that again about Han Solo? She had Han Solo's charisma? Well, she she adopted it sooner or later. Not, eh, not in the beginning. I get it. Okay, I get it. The movie was bad. They were all fucking terrible. And, you know, a, a failed character arc is still a character arc. I'm not saying that she was Harrison Ford in the 70s, but I, I'm I'm watching four before I watch even a minute of seven. That, that's the right idea. That's the so, right way to approach it. <laughs> Brasenio v. Henderson. This is the uh, this is a, this is the case in question, and this is just sort of a uh, uh, what's the word? I'm paraphrasing here. Well, I'm not paraphrasing, but it's just a section that's cut mm-hmm. off. Use the phrase 100% natural on Wesson Oil appears meaningless because ConAgra no longer owns Wesson Oil, yada, yada, yada. That is like George Lucas promising no more mediocre and schlocky Star Wars sequels shortly after selling the franchise to Disney. So such a promise would be illusory. And then it uh, footnotes into saying, as evident by Disney's production of The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, these movies are bad people okay they're bad (laughs) they're bad movies kathleen kennedy oh (laughs) oh man oh man you have a a shit storm of brewing not just on your youtube channel no not just on the (laughs) star wars youtube channel where everyone is still furious about gina whatever whatever future star wars has i i just i will look the other way i've well, here, here's the thing. I would agree yeah. with you, but I know that that's a lie. I know that when Star Wars Episode Ten comes out, we're going to look on it at out of uh, spite and ignorance and be like, oh, you know, we fucking told you. And then we're going to have this blind curiosity overtake us, be like, well, let's just check it out. We're going to find some things to justify about it, and we're most likely going to be on Episode 100 plus discussing. We're going to be right back to where we started, you know? Maybe it'll blow our expectations. Maybe it'll be another Rogue One or Mandalorian. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll be like the Bad Batch, and they'll actually give Clone Troopers some uh, Clone Wars some fan service. So, yeah, you know. I mean, in a way, that that's just it. There's already a test to that in regards to you know Star Wars content that comes out, and then like, oh, check it out. This time it might be good. Uh. 
No. I still have not seen The Mandalorian, and I just don't care to. It looks someone so much who's... like the original trilogy. I could just watch the original trilogy. But you know what? I will say, aside from the ending, the second season, I mean, mm-hmm. um, it's a good show. It's, it, you know, John uh, Fav, Favreau. John Favreau, yeah. Favreau, yeah. I don't even know what the fuck that last name was. <laughs> yeah, that he did an outstanding job putting that mm-hmm. together. You know, I, and and the meme stands stands true. It's what happens when you give the fans a budget and yeah. They they fucking went above and beyond. I don't know if they went above and beyond because they had to compare the last 3 movies. Of course it's going to look good by default, but I would say that on its own it's it, it it stands the test of time, and so does the Bad Batch. It's about as close to what the original Clone Wars succeeded in mm-hmm. as ever. So yeah, I mean, I I I definitely give it a watch. I mean, Pedro Pascal is you don't gotta twist my arm if he's on screen, you know. <laughs> well. I, I do know he was in uh, that Wonder Woman sequel, which. Uh, no one's watching the Wonder Woman sequel. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because I'm, I'm not. I, I to no. this day, I refuse. I refuse. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, God. Uh, we want to jump into the invisible jet. <laughs> Michael Flynn from the New York Times. Michael Flynn suggested at a QAnon affiliated event that a coup should happen in the U.S. Well, <laughs> well, with citizen taking over law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, it just it just comes together. By Maggie <laughs> Astor, June first, two thousand twenty-one. Michael T. Flynn was the, oh, create a free Times account. No, I won't create a free Times account. Okay, I'm gonna Wait, look no, at that it. was. Uh, Maggie Haberman's story. Yeah, no, I... Yeah, well, I, it's just, it's giving me a, uh, it, it's gatekeeping me from from reading the news. That, that is a paywall, my friend. <laughs> oh, fuck the paywall, okay? I want news, and I want it right now, okay? Do you so, want a structured settlement, and you need cash now, as well? <laughs> no, I called J.G. Wentworth at 877-CASH-NOW. Hold on, technical difficulties. You don't have to cut this out, but I'm uh, I'm gonna pull this up on the computer and probably try to get past this paywall here. Here we go. Michael T. Flynn, a former national security advisor, suggested that a military a military coup was needed in the United States during a Memorial Day weekend conference organized by adherents by the QAnon conspiracy theory, drawing criticisms from political scientists, veterans, Democrats, and a handful of prominent Republicans. Okay. Appearing at the Forgotten Country Patriot Roundup conference in Dallas, Mr. Flynn listened to an audience member ask, I want to know why what happened in Myanmar can't happen here. 
referring to the Myanmar military's overthrow of a quasi-democratic government and brutal crackdown on dissent. Yeah. Which some QAnon supporters have cited approvingly. Mr. Flynn replied, no reason. I mean, it should happen here. No <laughs> No reason. I, again, I respect the based approach. It, it's the equivalent of walking into a political discussion online, stating your piece, having absolutely no backup, and just walking out of the room. <laughs> At the end of the day, you feel more accomplished than literally any jack-off in that political science class. So I guess on surface level, it's okay. Many criticize the comment, including Representative Liz Cheney, a Republican who was kicked out of her House leadership position this month, for criticizing former President Donald J. Trump and saying she would do everything possible to ensure he was not the Republican Party's presidential nominee in 24. Wow. Republicans are at each other's throats. So on mm. Twitter, Ms. Cheney said, no American should advocate or support the violent overthrow of the United States. And Mr. Flynn, who suggested in December that Mr. Trump could invoke martial law to force new elections in swing states, responded to backlash to his remark by arguing Monday in a post on Telegram that he meant the opposite. He states, I'm no stranger to media manipulating my words, and therefore let me repeat my response to a question at the conference. There is no reason it, a coup, should happen here in America. So he went on Parler, too, to clarify that, oh, it's the fake news media taking my words out of context. I never said anything about a coup. And it's like, yeah, it's always the fake news media. Am I right? Am I right? Well, speaking at the same conference over the weekend, Representative Louie Gomer, Republican of Texas, said that right-wing extremists were not solely responsible for the Capitol riot. The false idea that left-wing groups were responsible is popular among some conservatives. I mean... You noted Louie Gomer's got, like, the lowest IQ in the whole House of Representatives, but right, no one. Right, right. Mr. Gomer also minimized the severity of the riot in which a mob of American supporters of Mr. Trump tried violently to stop Congress from certifying the results of the 2020 election by citing past attacks by foreigners. Some of us think Pearl Harbor was the worst attack on democracy. Some of us think 9-11 was the worst attack. Some of us think that those were worse attacks on democracy. Let's not forget uh, the president saying, you know, this was an attack on our democracy that we've never seen since the Civil War. And it's like, uh... Well, there was that little island in the Pacific that got bombed. Uh, and there was also uh, downtown Manhattan uh, a couple decades later. Uh, so I can think of a couple times that we've had attacks on our democracy that right. this frankly pales in comparison. I mean, the first attack on the Capitol was more was, was far more drastic and far more serious. The Capitol building literally burnt to the ground by an invading army. Right. Or in power. From I was going to say at that time, I was going to say, if you're comparing it to the first capital takeover, you got to hand it to them. They're actually right in their assessment. Like this was by no means on the same level as the first time it happened all that time ago. So technically, technically, they're correct. Um, However, uh, we continue a spokeswoman for Mr. Gomer did not immediately respond to a request for comment on Tuesday. He and Mr. Flynn both both spoke in front of a logo that included the QAnon slogan. Oh, God. Uh, Where we go one, we go all. 
And a recent poll by the Public Religion Research Institute and the Interfaith Youth Corps found that 14% of Americans, including about one in four Republicans, believed in three central tenets tenets of the QAnon conspiracy theory. (laughs) That the United States is being run by a cabal of of Satanist pedophiles. Uh, Close. That's that's the media. But uh, I'm kidding. That's Hollywood. <laughs> that American patriots may have to resort to violence to get rid of that cabal, and that a storm will soon restore the rightful leaders. Got such an obsession with storms. I don't get it. It's like they they saw Desert Storm once, and they were just like, "Ooh, I want to, I want to do that." No, uh, they don't remember Desert Storm. Yeah, they don't. But I do. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't alive yet. <laughs> I wasn't there. It wasn't my war. So this is from Maggie Astor, who was a political reporter based in New York. Previously, she was a general assignment reporter and a copy editor for The Times and a reporter for The Record in New Jersey. You know, a, a lot more substance this time around than the last one that we that we had about the whole uh, about the whole Fauci thing. Oh, it may have been in a lab or may have not been in a lab, which was basically some <laughs> some freshman's uh, abstract. You know, he had to fulfill the 500 word requirement. Yeah, well, and, and was a lot with that one, too, like, it was all about fitting within kind of this preconceived conclusion that, number one, we don't know, and number two, we could find evidence that could completely, uh, completely undo the whole hypothesis that it came from, that that coronavirus came from a lab. Like, we we can't jump to that, we basically can't jump to C without understanding what B was, you know, and with this, I mean, Michael Flynn, he's been in the former president's good graces ever since he got his, uh, I think he got like his sentence commuted. I forgot exactly what Trump did to give him his get out of jail free card, but you know, and I, I actually did watch a little bit of this wild God and country thing. Uh, I had another rare moment of flipping through cable news, and I happened to pass uh, OAN, and they were mm. like, it was almost as if they were live streaming this. It was I, I was having flashbacks to 2015 when uh, CNN would just play an entire Donald Trump speech, or or years later when Fox would film literally every second of a Trump speech from before he got on stage late until he was done like three hours later when he was molesting the American flag and doing this face like, oh, look at me with my blankie, me and my binky. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to take these people seriously ever because you can't and we really shouldn't. I mean, the whole idea that something could happen again. I mean, yeah, we're in a time of instability and the weird thing is, is that with the whole issue about violence rising in America, and I've, I've talked about it before. I've, I remember I was talking about it with Jovan when he came on the show. I talked about it with Kenny and Pete on their show. The fact is, is that even though there is a rise in violence, like it's a rise in violence compared to what it was a year ago. And I'm talking like early on in the pandemic plus before the pandemic, like 
yeah, it's up. It's an uptick, but you know, we're not like at like the level of the 1970s where, you know, you had just about everything from, you know, uh, I don't know, son of Sam to friggin' taking a Pelham one, two, three. That's a movie, but same idea. You know, it, it's, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. And I, I with, with Flynn and what he said, I mean, it's stupid. Could these people actually, you know, lead a coup? No, because they're, it, it's this lumpen, this lumpen part of the population that is, you know, kind of tying it in with our whole conversation about citizen. They're more focused on security rather than going on the offense. Like they're more focused on the defensive rather than the offensive. And I don't, I just don't see any kind of path forward other than, you know, they push somebody forward who is equally as bad or worse than Trump. And he or she winds up being president in 2024. And then we're kind of right back to where we started with instability, uh, tensions within the populace, and then you know, an explosive election that results in violence and chaos, the likes of which you normally see in a country in like South America, um, except now it's us because we're we're basically like Brazil now, you know, with you know, cops that can kill you on sight, with politicians that literally don't care a single bit about corruption, no matter which party it is. Yeah. Now, and, see, the the day know. the United States becomes anything like Brazil, that that's the day that I feel like the country would undoubtedly become pro Second Amendment in a heartbeat. <laughs> I don't know, though, because you don't know. So what? So what? A, 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 a government takeover is in effect. Oh, no. Well, I mean, that's just it. Brazil, you got to remember as much as corrupt and horrible as their current president is. He so far has not slid the country into a dictatorship yet. It's yeah, more or less, you know, your generic neoliberal free market democracy. And they don't have any, you know, that's just it. Brazil doesn't have anything in their law that resembles the Second Amendment. So there is no gun culture there outside of, you know, lower income areas like the favelas where you have all the gang, a lot of gang activity and a lot of, you know, drug trafficking. And then law enforcement, which knows that it can act without any kind of judicial backlash. You know, it's in a weird way. In a weird way, you could almost use them to fight the federales in Mexico just because the federales in Mexico actually have ties to the cartels. In Brazil, it's the opposite. It's like if you move drugs of any kind, you're as good as uh, ground meat. If a police officer sees you, I mean, the, the cops in, in Rio de Janeiro walk around with, uh, I, I guess, approximate to AR-15s. And you're kind of like, OK, yeah, that's uh, that's not normal, but OK, <laughs> you know, so and they'll like walk through the streets with their AR-15s while cars are passing by. And you're like, is something going to happen? Like, is there going to be a bombing well, that yeah. I'm not aware of? In a country as dangerous as Brazil, what would you rather have them carry? Well, if anything, I 
that's just it. It doesn't fill me with any sense of protection. No, I, no, it doesn't. It doesn't fulfill you with any sense of protection. I get that. It, it's it's a security measure, which kind of doubles back to the point of defense rather than offense. So mm-hmm. if it's a matter of of a defensive strategy of someone owning a firearm for the sake of protection rather than the sake of murder, like intentious murder. Where it wherein lies the problem there? If anything, if I was thrown in a country of that caliber, where the where the metals are made of chocolate and the chocolate is made of street crime, I think the first and foremost measure of protection would be to go, hey, where's the uh, where's the closest pop shop so I can get myself a twenty two. Actually, matter of fact, no, that, that's not even like home defense standard. Where can I get a 38 special for cheap? Uh, what's what's the currency in Brazil? The the BLR? Uh, it's the the BRL? real or or the, the reais as it's pronounced. Yeah, how many? Uh, let me see. USD to. I've already forgotten what the. Uh, oh. God. Currency differences. Oh man, you want to talk about inflation? Okay, one USD yeah. is equal to about five dollars in Brazilian real. So, let's see, I have about a hundred dollars in my bank account. Oh no, it's it's pretty generous. <laughs> Dude, I'd I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be closer I'm... to being a millionaire there than I would be here. But the point is, I'm like, dude, it all depends on the atmosphere. And yes. The United States is very privileged in its approach to how it handles security. I don't think there's going to be any kind of terrorist attacks coming anytime soon. Knock on wood. We had one 20 years ago, but but it's like oh, we've had we've had some since. I mean, let's, we, let's we've not had Boston bombing. Right, we've had some since. However, and all the mass shootings. Yes, granted. However. What position would you rather be in? A position of security or a position of, oh, well, I don't feel safe. Okay, well, if you don't feel safe, what should you do? You either going to you're going to join the mob and get a gun for protect for protective sake, or are you going to are you going to wish or are you going to wish you had one when it's too late? You know, it's easy. It's it's you get into a situation where you don't have to worry about your security and you go to an area that is safe and you go to an area that where, you know, people aren't feeding off of whatever fear that they read off of next door or citizen that makes them think to themselves, oh, we got to have safety everywhere. And then they start saying things which I have heard neighbors on my street say. I wonder why something hasn't happened here. Something's going to happen here. And you're thinking to yourself. Do you realize how safe we are? You know, like it, it's well, what in is a scary the, well, sense, it's like the lingering fears that people had that lived far away from South L.A. during the riots. Like, what is the disconnect between mm-hmm. Second Amendment activism and being so hoity-toity about the whole gun situation regarding anticipation of something happening? I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if boomers think differently than I do. But if I'm thinking of if I'm thinking of utilizing a firearm for my protection, I'm not anticipating it happening just so I can go play cowboy. And I okay. think that's what makes you unique. 
because I think so, there are a lot of people out yeah, there. Yeah, I, I don't want you. I don't want you to. I don't want you to twist my words. I don't want you to twist my words around and think that I'm, you know, anticipating something happening. Oh, no, no. I'm not. not. In a hypothetical circumstance where if something does happen, at least I know I'm prepared for it. But I'm not I'm not jostling the ideas around in my mind being like, oh, well, if something happens, I'm going to rush in and I'm going to be the hero. And it's like. Why? (laughs) You, You know, the first rule of conflict, the first. One of the first rules of any kind of military practice is to defer the fucking conflict. It's to not engage. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're so gung-ho about this military bravado, how about you actually follow it? And, yeah. And keep the peace and utilize it as a last resort. You know, it's... And I mean like a dire last resort. I think the people who were hoarding Turners and all these and all these shops, you know, Big Five, Bass Pro, all these shops that happen to sell guns and, I don't know, parts of Walmart, if they still happen to do that in the world, in the country. Um, so. You know, the people, the people out there buying guns, It's it, that's not the issue that I have. The issue is the whole anticipatory nature of, of the attitudes where it's like, oh, something might happen. Dude, you're in the middle of fucking Montana or, you know, like a Bible Belt state that has more real estate than it does people. So, motherfucker, if you want to shoot something out in the field, go for it, because I guarantee you it isn't going to hit anyone. So, I don't know. I think I just view it more as a sport than I do as a as a matter of self-defense, though I understand why self self-defense would be important you know right but but really like where are you going to be in a situation that you're not where are you going to be in a situation that um it's going to directly involve you Mm -hmm. aside from home invasion like a burglary well i mean you could also have an incident of like road rage which has happened countless times in the news recently frankly stupid to carry your gun in your car <laughs> i agree but i'm just saying like, like that's oh that's a situation God. i'm surprised hasn't exploded literally and figuratively into something far more terrible and you know let's not forget you've had the uh all the cars what was it on the was it on the 91 freeway that you had all the cars that were getting shot at by bb guns and and granted it's not yeah. like all those people could shoot back, and it's not like all those people could see who th- was even shooting at them. Right. But, like, that in of itself is already a scary enough situation where, you know, what do you do? You have to get to work. You have to go pick up your kids. You have to drive back home on the freeway. Like, mm-hmm. like something like that is terrifying. But <clears throat> I don't know. It, it's I, – I think the anticipatory – second amendment crowd it's yeah there's a strong difference between the the 2a types who you know constitutionally believe what it stands for and then the 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 boogaloo boys is what i like to call them that you know they're, they're they're anticipating it coming you know they have their shotgun shells bunkers and seed packets ready and it's like you know what fine when the rapture comes, they will have their day in the green sun. Okay, <laughs> they will have their day as being the as being the as being the prepper, so to speak. And mm. 
I would even say I would surrender my dignity and be like, okay, these are people who probably didn't know shit in, in the previous life, but now they probably know everything in this life now that they've prepared for it. Okay, they they could be as dumb as fucking bricks. You know, it's all a matter of it's all <laughs> it's all relative. Okay. But as of now, knock on wood, we're not on the verge of nuclear warfare. And we're not on the verge of uh, assassinating our neighbors. Well, and, and let's not forget, too, like, and I can already hear, hear Pete tell me, oh, Mancini, nobody wants to hear your history lessons. But, like, the first big yeah, flex, right. if you will, <laughs> of, of some kind of armed, I don't know what you even would want to call it, resistance, armed Assault, I don't know what, but like the, you know, the Whiskey Rebellion, that was basically the dream of a lot of the people that either anticipate violence or they were under the impression that Barack Obama was going to instill some kind of socialist dictatorship where he was going to take away all of our guns, a la the, the uh, what was it, the Bundy family. But it basically took an old general who also just so happened to be president to lead a bunch of troops out onto a battlefield to uh spook all these guys from breaking out in armed conflict and these are the guys that you know this is this was the embodiment of what we've seen from the bundies to and i'm not saying all because frankly i think january 6th and a lot of the reaction to it has been overrated some of the folks on January 6th, and it just kind of seems to me like if your goal is to be like the guys from the Whiskey Rebellion, I'd say find a new goal <laughs> because those guys were the equivalent of France during World War II, I hate to say. Like, they were not – there's a reason why George Washington is as revered as he is even though nobody remembers his presidency. Um, he was the first president to clamp down on an armed insurrection, so – you know, all the all the anticipatory gun hoarders need to be mindful of the fact that one of their heroes stomped one of their prior movements. And I should note, too, I mentioned Pete and I, I do need to mention this uh, on the show before I before we kind of close in on our final topic. But uh, the uh, extended Mars on Life family just got a little bit bigger. And just scrolling through to a uh, friend of the show, Kenny Barry's Instagram. Uncle Kenny reporting for duty. Welcome to the world, Isaiah Kenneth Jones. I'm still processing this reality, but every time I look into the eyes of the young black king, I'm reminded of the mission that matters the most. The marathon continues. If this is 29, 30 is going to be some shit. Uh, long story short, Kenny's an uncle. I, all I can say is I am I'm still in shock. I'm like, oh, wow, Kenny. Whoa, there's more berries in the world. Um, but I'm. Just wanted to share this news with you and with everybody else listening. And. Uh, yeah, I can't believe it. Um, any thoughts? <laughs> Congratulations, Kenny. Yeah, I saw the uh, Instagram posts. Um, congrats, man. It's a. It's a hell of a feeling. I'm an uncle myself. Uh, I was when I was like 20-ish. 
it's fun. It's a fun run. So, you know, hopefully your nephew will have a better microphone than you ever will. And I'm going to keep teasing you about that until you, until the next time you redeem yourself. Because, yeah, dude, you think I forget? I'm not forgetting. God. Where do you say he was again? Oh, my God. Uh, the uh, South Bay. South Bay. Um, yeah, no, that's very windy. Yeah, I, I thought I was talking to someone in, in Chicago. But anyway, we love you, man, and looking forward to having you on soon. Oh, yeah. Now, Joker 2. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure you've heard about this. Uh, Joker 2 reportedly being written by original movie's director. Uh, Joker 2 will reportedly see Todd Phillips, who directed and co-wrote the original Joker movie, return to co-write the sequel for Warner Brothers. Fantastic. <laughs> you see, when you told me this, yeah, I, I didn't at first I didn't want to believe it because part of me thinks that because they used all of their uh, all of their talent in making this such a serious movie, the only other direction that they could go is hokey. I'm not talking like Cesar Romero hokey, but I don't know. Part of me is I'm not on the edge of my seat looking forward to joker 2 i'm surprised that it was even announced this soon mm -hmm. but um yeah i i don't know i guess i guess we'll see yeah i, I will say i'm more in anticipation of this movie than uh any other star wars movie that comes out <laughs> well coming i'm i'm certainly it's i i don't know if i'd say i'm anticipating this as much as i'm anticipating like say the new uh batman film um but i don't know this has me very curious just because of you know where we were at in i think it was november or maybe it was october 2019 when the first joker film came out and sort of where we were, you know, as a country, as a society, as a whatever, as a population, what have you. And it clicked. And it, it seemed like if we ever needed a movie to really symbolize this moment, and I would argue it still kind of symbolizes the times that we live in, it'd be Joker. And so the idea of a sequel, which, you know, I'm... I'm kind of at a point in my life where I'm genuinely sick to death of sequels and prequels and reboots. Oh my. Even though, you know, the next three movies I'm looking forward to are all <laughs> sequels or remakes, but, uh, mm -hmm. and you know, with something like Joker, I mean, it are by itself could stand the test of time. Like a lot of other, um, you know, a lot of other gritty, films of the that type of genre you know like i mentioned taking pelham one two three absolutely recommend that movie came out in the mid 70s taxi driver like a lot of those kind of gritty grimy unkempt 
unsafe movies of the mid 1970s. That's what Joker was trying to emulate. And I think it's just hard for me to think of where they can go moving forward because, and this kind of leads into my, my question for you, which is, you know, with the first movie, it, it, it really leaned in on the character of Arthur Fleck and his life. And, you know, it was almost like an afterthought that he just so happened to live in a city that we're all familiar with from other films, other media, other portrayals that have either shown it as very gothic, very colorful or very Chicago and, or very Detroit. And Joker did that in its own unique way, but you know, it, I, I heard there, some critics that I like said, oh, well, the subject matter is so serious that it almost trivializes the fact that it is technically a comic book movie set in a comic book based city with comic book characters, even though there really aren't that many comic book characters even in the movie outside of like the Wayne family. Um, but the question I'm getting at is, should this movie lean more into the sort of hyper real, um, I guess you could say the, the hyper real atmosphere and psychosis of the first movie, or should it lean more into the side of Gotham that we're all kind of familiar with, i.e. the masked uh, freaks and villains and, you know, all the accidents and all of the, the monsters that happen to rampage through the city you know, like whether it's Bane or Clayface or Poison Ivy or whoever, like, do you think they should lean more into that or should it stick with the realism of the first movie? Neither. Go in a third direction. But what what I mean by that is have it be a straight up bloodbath. You've already gone into the psychological torment that Arthur Fleck has been in, right? Mm -hmm. So what you do is you ditch the irony, which is the enemy of good action movies, and you turn this into a straight-up bloodbath. You turn this into a movie with a little bit of satire and a little bit of comedy, and you make it like that movie Hobo with a Shotgun. Okay, you mm. already know, you already know the deterioration of his psyche here. Okay, he he escapes the hospital in the last scene of the movie. Okay, so maybe well, they're making a second movie. Who who are they going to cast as as, oh, as Joker? Well, I, ha I will say I've heard some rumors suggesting there may be another Joker in this one along with Fleck. Okay. Which is kind of interesting because that kind of leads a little bit into the whole copycat so, hockey pads thing that we alluded to earlier, like from The Dark Knight. So you can either go the direction of building off of this character that you literally rose from the ashes. Joaquin Phoenix is was not well-liked before being cast in this role. And even after being cast in this role, he was dog shitted on. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until after this movie that ironically people saw the, the glimmer of hope that he had. And now if what the rumor you're saying is true, meaning that they're going to introduce another character, then it's just going to be a whole separate movie capitalizing on what made the first movie so great. That that's not a good sequel. That's just the same movie twice with another character who probably isn't even on the same acting level as Phoenix. So what I say when I say to take a third direction, mm. 
is to just build off of that character. If you want to throw in a little bit of fan service, oh, Har- Harley? Who's that? Oh, okay. uh, no, I don't I, think they'd go that route. But what I'm no, saying is... I don't think is, they would either. Make it a one-man bloodbath film, okay? Maybe he dies mm-hmm. at the end. I don't know. Maybe at the end, if you want to throw a little fan service like Batman and have it be like the killing joke, you know, be my guest. The sky's the limit, but build off of now what makes the Joker character so violent, not what makes him so psychoactive. Because mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of a, a tricky thing with this specific Joker. Like, I, it's hard for me to see him being, you know, the clown prince of crime akin to Heath Ledger or Jack Nicholson, where I'm he not, is kind I'm of like saying, a mob boss. I'm not saying yeah. he has to be the mob boss or that he has to run a string of bank robberies and, and, and coups and things and cases of domestic terrorism. No, hmm. but what I'm saying is, is that he has to do something that embodies what the Joker is outside of just being goofy. You know, right. you want to have goofy Joker. You watch Mark Hamill in the animated series. OK, hmm. I think it could work. I think if you had a straight up two and a half hour movie of basically him committing the miscellaneous crimes that he committed in the first movie mm-hmm. and have it build upon that, you know, I, there is such a thing as subtlety and, <laughs> it, and it was done in the first movie. You yeah. know, it, it doesn't have to be deliberate, but what I'm saying is they can get away with a lot more deliberation here. Mm hmm. You know, the Joker is violent, so make him violent. And furthermore, if the media wants to spin another yarn saying that this movie, now this series of movies, rather, is making people violent. You know what? At at this point, let them spin that fucking yarn until all the all the thread goes out. We have Mm. not had a movie like this since God. Has there has there even been a movie like this in the past 10 years? I say Hobo with a Shotgun because that movie was... It had, I know. It had irony and it had satire, but it was a... It was a bloodbath action film that was fun to watch. I'm sorry. Like, what do you want me to say? I know that Joaquin Phoenix did another movie that I heard was strikingly similar to joker except it is more of a he he is in a more heroic he's playing a more heroic character but it's in an equally if not more violent film and i think it was through like amazon prime video i'm trying to find the name of it um oh uh it was called you were never really here which was a psychological thriller that came out in 2017 now I haven't seen that, so I can't really get into it. But in terms of a movie that emulates what Joker did from the last decade, I honestly, I can't think of one. Like, I can think of movies that are great allegories of what's happened in the last 10 years, including a film I've mentioned several times on this show, Shin Godzilla. But that focuses on a very specific point in the last 10 years, not you know, moving the American character in this crazy, insane direction, the way that Joker kind of emulated, oh, man, I'm, I'm thinking hard. And it's, it's, I know that, uh, 
Nolan really wanted the Dark Knight Rises to emulate mm-hmm. Occupy, but it really didn't because number one, Christopher Nolan doesn't know shit about politics, and number two, yeah, oh yeah, Bane and his armed mercenaries are just like the Occupy movement. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, like, and that didn't even come close. Um, this this new Joker movie does not have to join the ranks of movies such as uh, a Serbian film, Battle Royale, or even Cannibal Holocaust. Okay, all these movies that are banned in the United States for a reason, or at least you can't get them without importing them. Right. It, it doesn't have to be on those ranks, but it can't delve deeper into a topic that we have already been beaten to death into knowing okay i know the joker's fucked up so do you you just watched a two and a half hour uh rendition of someone going insane which the only which part of the primary reason as to why it did that was because it was showcased in a way as to how it could literally happen to anyone personally if i was living in new york in in modern 21st century you know what i'm not even gonna continue on this tangent (laughs) Well, I mean, if, if I'd go lived, crazy too. No, I'm kidding. It, yeah, well, hey, I mean, that's just it. He yeah. lived in the perfect city where something like that could have happened. I mean, it's and in a twisted way, there's a lot of similarities between that Gotham City and the one that you see in the 1989 Batman. Like, there is a lot of debauchery and this almost kind of gilded age ignorance towards the violence going on within the city. That, of course, you could have a criminal underground with psychotic uh, chemistry majors who also happen to have a minor in art accidentally fall into a vat of chemicals and then show up and, you know, show up and kill the boss and take over. And, you know, I'm the first homicidal artist like you could have that in this universe. It's. I don't know. I mean, I think because I think the whole theory with having there be another joker it's more to do with the idea that there's a new joker who takes upon a group of jokers i.e you know the the clown protesters from the first film and they would i guess theoretically break uh arthur fleck out of jail out of uh rather out of arkham asylum and then basically deal with the fact that like you've now got sort of this this very gung-ho warrior-like joker versus this incredibly damaged no pun intended this incredibly damaged individual who you know his claim to fame was killing some wall street guys and a talk show host but at the same time igniting a movement within a city that's completely fractured and borderline a failed city it's hard to think what direction they could go in that would feel natural. And I feel like if they incorporated, because I've heard other rumors too, that they might incorporate more of sort of the Gotham villains, which in a universe as real as this Joker universe, I don't know who you could pick outside of like, I mean, you could have a Harvey Dent character. I guess you could have something akin to Bane, Except not silly, you know, not the bane that we all how love. About, that you how, know. How about? Or this credit about, card. J- just hear me out. How about you just make a Joker movie about the Joker? 
How about Warner Brothers doesn't take the Marvel approach like they did with Justice League and fucking failed, by the way, and Suicide Squad, which they also failed, by the way, mm-hmm. and try to make an ensemble film that rivals the ranks of the Avengers. Expand upon this. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, dude, I, I hope they don't mess it up. You know, yeah. I, I had a lot of faith in the first one. I have a lot of faith in the first one. I think it's a very, I want to say criminally underrated masterpiece of a movie, but people have seen it by now. They've made their own opinions on it, and the media took the narrative and ran. I'm curious to see what they're going to do next with it, but mm-hmm. I guess we can end this episode off by saying time will tell. So... If you gotta go, go with a smile. You've been listening to Mars on Life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Erberich, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. Once again, I am Ryan Mancini, and my co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. Mars.